Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, Tom Brennan will be continuing our study on the book of 1 John. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Okay, we are back. Uh, thanks so much for being here. We are looking through the epistle of First John, uh, or the letter of John, and he wrote it to a number of churches that were actually uh, throughout Asia Minor, and it is thought that these... Um, that the churches that are mentioned in Revelation were the churches that originally read this letter because it doesn't necessarily specify a particular target audience. And so we see that. And so in that sense, they call it a, uh, a general epistle or sometimes they call it a Catholic epistle, meaning universal. Don't get hung up on Catholic. <laughs> it means universal. And so in other words, anyone can read it. So we have that right there. So this next section we have right here is First uh, John 3, verses 13 to 24. And we're going to unpack this. So now he's continuing on with this theme which he's just, again, John just keeps on coming at it at different angles and talking about the supremacy of love and how love shows itself in actions and also how those that don't agree with his doctrine are actually liars and antichrists. So all of this keeps on being repeated through John's words right here. So we'll move on to the next thing, which is uh, chapter First um, John 3, verses 13 to 24. We're going to look at uh, the first couple of verses here. So do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he's, he just got finished talking about Cain and Abel and how Cain slew his brother and how Cain was, was wicked and evil and saying, we are not to be like Cain. We are not of that spirit. And he's talking about this. So he's saying, uh, again, here's the crazy thing right now. What happened? Cain slew his brother. He hated, uh, Cain hated his brother. And he's saying, don't marvel if the world hates you, kind of putting us in the place of Abel, you know, the one who actually was slain. So here we see a clear reference to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught that blessed are those, and this is in Matthew 5, 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then in Matthew 5, 21 to 22, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So again, we have John actually echoing what comes from the gospels. In this case, not his own gospel, but the gospel of Matthew, the Beatitudes. And so we have it right here that John makes a clear statement that we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Again, here we have the affectionate father, John, telling his dear little children how they may know that they have passed from death to life and are in koinonia with the father. We looked at that term before, meaning intense, beautiful, close fellowship. So then he goes on, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods 
and sees, sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? All right, now, he kind of switches gears here and is saying, uh, we, because uh, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, Christ laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? He sounds like James. We, we just heard James, uh, you know, uh, Brother Ben Allen. He just got done done preaching on, uh, on the book of James. And so we have this right here. And he goes on saying like, um, like um, in, in this right here, so he talks like James in, in 2, 14 to 17, where James says, what does it profit, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And the uh, inference is that kind of faith can't save you. If a brother or sister is naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does that profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I saw this meme recently, again, back with the Lord of the Rings stuff. Sorry, I'm I'm a bit too self-indulgent here. But there's this place where um, in the Lord of the Rings at the Council of Elrond, uh, you've actually got uh, Frodo, who's being appointed for this amazing task to, uh, well, not so amazing if you're Frodo, but it's something that he, that he doesn't want to do. And uh, what happens right there is Frodo is is being tasked with uh, with uh, taking this ring to Mordor. And then out of nowhere, Sam comes running out and he says, hey, he's not going anywhere without me. And it's interesting because Elrond says, well, indeed, it seems that you two can't be separated, you know, even when he is summoned to a secret meeting and you are not. And that's what faith and works are like. (laughs) Frodo is like faith and Sam is like works. So wherever Frodo goes, Sam is going to go too. That's how those two work together. You got Frodo, you got Sam, and they cannot be departed from one another. So if you've got Frodo, you got Sam. So faith is going to always show up with works. You have that right there. Okay, and uh, thank you for your... uh, uh, your your uh, indulgence uh, as I talk about Lord of the Rings. We'll move on. So John's emphasis, uh, James' emphasis rather, is on faith. John's emphasis is on on love. Faith works by love. So these verses are well balanced. And uh, so we have this right here. So James' uh, emphasis is on, on faith that shows itself by works, and John's emphasis is on love. So faith works by love. So these verses are well balanced. So we go on. Uh, we have those right here. So uh, John's starting to sound like James here, but he doesn't stop there. Now he gives us another look here where he says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth. Here we have it again, the assurance God, the, the assurance epistle. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So John again tells us how we can assure our hearts before the Father. How? By loving indeed and truth. And this passage can be difficult as we all have times when our hearts condemn us. The text seems to be implying that God is greater than our hearts, so this could be taken as a greater condemnation from God himself. But since John is dressing his little baronies, it seems too harsh. Rather, the believer who feels condemned can come to God who knows everything and has already made atonement for the sin in the forefront of our minds. So the message, again, gives us a helpful angle right here. He's, and this is what Eugene Peterson has, uh, has translated this out to be, and that is, my dear children, 
let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living. Truly, truly living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. So learning to shut down debilitating self-criticism is a great life skill. You take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I just want to talk for a minute here. It is very often one of the... One of the um, tactics of our enemy is to get us off the track, to get us discouraged, to get us debilitated, to get us to the point where we are no longer engaged in the uh, life of faith uh, because we are looking at ourselves and we are filled with debilitating self-doubt, self-loathing, and hatred. And, and there's like a, a, a suicidal spirit behind that whole thing. And this is why people to this day, they, they tend to sabotage themselves. They do things. They, 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 they drink too much. They, they take drugs. They cut themselves. They, they uh, ultimately do things that make their lives miserable. And because there is this debilitating self-hatred and self-criticism and self-rejection. So what we need to do is learn to shut that down because that is... You know, it's like we are supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, okay? And I don't want to get too hung up on that whole thing, but if you really hate yourself, then at that point, your love toward your neighbor is going to kind of model itself on that. And so we have to learn that God loves us and let that change us. That's an important thing right there so that we have a truly free spirit in dealing with other people. Of course, there's always a place where we don't want to be satisfied and say, oh, I'm fine the way I am. But there is a place where we say, God, I am a work in progress and you're continuing to do your work in me. And thank God for that. So learning to shut down to debilitating self-criticism is a great life skill. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And here we go on again. And uh, he goes on here. Um, let's see here. And okay, yeah. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. So this is another reference to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew 5, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And what, what John is saying here is whatever we ask, we receive from him. And there we have the same thing in Matthew 5, 7, and 8. Uh, here we see John referring back to his gospel as well regarding how to do the works of God. In John 6, 28 through 29, uh, it is recorded that then they said to Jesus, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. And uh, going back to the verse that we just went through, uh, this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So is this thought of believing, and that is the work that we are to do right here. So then, then we come on to the next verse right here. And that is, um, now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by his spirit, by the spirit whom he has given to us. So here we have the first mention of the Holy Spirit in 1 John, and it is given in the context of knowing that he abides in us. The assurance of his little children that they may know, that they may assure their hearts before the Father, that they may know who is in koinonia with the Father, is a repeating theme. 
And here we have something that is very important to all of us who are walking with Christ, and that is the witness of the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit is to be expected in the life of every believer. As a person who has struggled with doubt and whether or not I'm really a Christian, I have found that we cannot love Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It cannot happen. If we love Jesus, we will be inclined to help his people, his church. This could be as simple as making an Operation Christmas Child box or donating to a ministry or charity. This will never be inspired by any other spirit than the Holy Spirit and is an indication that we have passed from death unto life. Our actions may need to catch up with what our heart wants, but that's a lifelong journey that every believer will walk. So what I want to just kind of like bring out right here is the fact that Everything that has ever happened in your life, let's just kind of talk about this for a moment here, is that the agency of the Holy Spirit is the agency that has made every single overture toward you. Every time you've been drawn to the Lord, that was the Holy Spirit. Every time you've heard a, a message that has actually challenged you and, and, and caused you to want to be closer to Christ, that came from the Holy Spirit. It was ministered by the Holy Spirit. Anytime you've heard a song that has blessed you and made you look at the glory of God, that is from the Holy Spirit. This is our Holy Spirit. This is, it's our Holy Spirit. He's with us right now. So the witness of that Holy Spirit is to be expected. Now, part of it is the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do some things. Sometimes you don't want to do it, but even your resistance to that is a proof that the Holy Spirit is in you and speaking to you. So um, a uh, perfect and flawless of uh, career of saying yes to the Holy Spirit is to be sought after. However, let's not be too hard on ourselves. Let's realize that God is with us, and if God is with us, who can be against us? And the Holy Spirit witnessing to us is expecting our life. And any time we ever want to do any good to the body of Christ, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.